0: places like Mississippi.
1: Yeah. They also come to places like California and Massachusetts, right? Because we're not the battleground states.
0: Well, my view is that every vote matters. And the way we can make that happen is that we can have national voting,
1: and that means get rid of the Electoral College and
2: I myself have always been for lowering the the voting age to 16. I think it's really important to capture kids when they're in high school, when they're interested in all of this, when they're learning about government, to be able to vote.
3: Okay, so one of those. (laughs) One of those. Oh,
2: you
1: got to give me a minute. This is like on Saturday Night Live when they don't realize it's going to get a really big laugh. (laughs) You got to give a laugh break. (laughs) That's hilarious, Nancy.
3: I tell you what, you're good. You are good. So one of these, and it was popular on the campaign trail. uh, They actually had a vote yesterday in the House about the the lowering the voting age. Or. uh, but one of these is a serious conversation and one of them is not. The electrical.
1: Oh, oh now you got to buy lunch tomorrow, too?
3: No, that can't work that way.
1: <laughs> okay. Or can it? We just. <laughs> we <laughs> we agreed the next person to say electrical college had to buy lunch. Jack's now done it twice. <laughs> I think a third offense, though, it's like three strikes, you're out. You just need to quit. It's got like to be go like dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um. The Electoral
3: College is a serious discussion, and I heard a bunch of different ideas yesterday. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> the lowering the voting age to 16 is not a real discussion. Yeah, let's we'll address that in a minute. So which one do you want to talk about first? All right, let's. you want to hear Beto, Beto was asked about the Electoral right, College? Let's, let's I said dispense that one on purpose, with,
1: but... with the children voting very okay. quickly. Listen, back in the day, that was a crazy idea. The voting age was only lowered to 18 in the wake of the Vietnam War because you had 18-year-olds fighting and dying but weren't allowed to vote, it's and the ins- contrast was too sickening.
3: It's insane right? that you were getting drafted and sent to a an iffy war, and you couldn't vote.
4: Right. Holy cow. Right. So, listen, defensible, understandable. So you're saying you'll, you'll do it, but we also have to reinstate the draft and lower that to 16, and then we can do the vote. That's one possible way to interpret lower my comments. Lower the draft right?
3: to 16.
1: No, so listen. Uh, so, by modern standards, and and the BBC just published a big study about this, um it wasn't their study, but they wrote about it, that uh, people are not becoming adults in the classic sense until they're in their 30s now, typically. The idea that we would have children vote, and a 16-year-old is less a 16-year-old than 20 years ago a 16-year-old. sure, They're more like, if you're an adult right now, they're more like when you were 12 or 13, in some ways. In some ways, more sophisticated. But anyway, the idea that children should vote is hilarious. It is designed purely because, on the, you know, that ongoing question of discipline versus compassion, children tend to be way off the scale in terms of if it sounds good and it sounds sweet, we should totally do it. Let's only eat dessert and you can get kids to vote for any unicornian scheme anything they have no they have no life experience they have no responsibilities they have no idea how the system works they don't know how taxes work the idea of children voting is hilarious and and Nancy knows that she's too smart um it's a way to get zillions of children signed up to vote democrat period that's it and it's an absurdity and it will not happen not on the other hand, anything
3: we should raise the voting age Yes. I think if you oh, yeah. do, if you do that, do you also have to take a look at what age you are uh, an adult for crimes? That's the rub, and maybe you should. W- I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, eighteen. I don't. I you know. I don't even. I don't even remember uh, who decided eighteen. Why.
1: This could be one so much of, our of this stuff. very long podcasts. That'd be a good one. Neurological science is advancing and showing that particularly among males, the I better not center of your brain. There's a fancy name for it, but that's what it does. Doesn't fully develop until on average you're 24 years old. Combine that. Which with is the- why young men do crazy stuff and why they make good soldiers. Combine that with culturally,
3: we're clearly younger. Right. Yeah. And, it, and then, then, you know, our parents' generation who were, who were having kids and being and full-on, 100% adulting in their early 20s. There's mm-hmm. a lot of
4: dumb adults, though, too. There are a lot of dumb adults. But, so, just in terms of... At some point, you have
3: to be responsible for your own actions. Yes. Because
4: I would, I would wager that a a an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old today, intellectually, or I'm not sure how you judge it, is probably about what an 18-year-old was back in the 60s, in terms of their the 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 information they consume, um, uh,
1: uh, I would disagree. I, I, think, I see the
4: point you're making. I think socially, yeah, we we are delaying the typical checkpoints of adulthood. Later. You ever
1: seen a uh, like a, a test from the 1960s? No. Yeah, no, no. Kids get out of high school today. They can't write. They can barely read. There's been a tremendous dumbing down of America academically speaking. They have a tremendous amount of access to information, but, but I think not, I'm not rebutting administ- that anyway. Well, yeah, th- I'm, that's, I'm, we're way off on a tangent. Yeah, I'm not on a worried tangent. about any
3: that well, anyway. That's not important. That's not the policy decisions people are going to be voting on. It's it's it, you got to have to you have to have some life experience out in the workplace, out bumping up against the real world. Right. That's what I'm concerned about. Right. Agree. No, I'm I'm not really concerned about it because I can't believe anybody would seriously consider. Lowering the voting age to sixteen,
1: although right. Oregon is, it's it's an absolutely idiotic uh, policy. It's indefensible. It's it's hilarious. It's absurd, and it's an open and shut case. Uh, Nancy you know, saying that the Speaker of the damn House saying that yeah. out loud is incredible. It just goes to show you how cynical she is. But listen, the Electoral College thing is worth talking about. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's little screed about they don't have to go to uh, they don't have to go to Mississippi. We we need them uh, to. Uh, Campaign for every vote. It's a beautiful example of the difference between the truth and the whole truth. No candidate will ever set foot in Mississippi again. It would be idiotic to do so unless, you know, by some incredibly advanced polling science, you determined that there were a bunch of undecideds there. But you would win the election. Every single freaking election would be won in the major coastal cities, period, period.
3: Well, you got to admit, though, the reverse is true. California would start getting candidates. If you've ever lived in a state that's a given for a presidential right. candidate, you get nothing.
1: <laughs> you get nothing. They don't care what you think. Right. So it works that way, too. Well, right, yeah, only the swing states get any attention in the current situation. But, you know, as I've made the point before, the, the brilliance of the Electoral College is you can't have an entire swath of the country believe that the federal government isn't there for them, that it's against them. And no, it, 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 that would get worse. And I'm telling you, that's the stuff of violent revolution. No, you will sow the seeds of revolution absolutely. And not a Bernie revolution with excited college children. No guns. No, the kind of guns and people dying.
3: And the country splitting into two different places and that right. sort of stuff. So,
4: yeah. is there is there a point between the current system where the only states that matter are the six battleground states, and the complete evaporation of the electoral college, where the only states that matter are the the big population hubs? Well, is there some sort of proportional? I heard a bunch thing, of different or?
3: different ideas thrown out yesterday.
1: I thought were all interesting. I don't know how they would play out. Well, yeah, and they're absolutely worth considering. But the one. That Whether it's the Electoral College thing or the the kids voting thing, it's mostly virtue signaling to get you fired up. The smart politicians know it'll never happen. There would have to be a constitutional amendment to get rid of the Electoral College, and, and no red state would ever vote for it. It's over. It will never, ever happen. There's You look at any polling on the question, any state that isn't on the coasts and blue, well, virtually all of them are against it. And especially, and that's without people even having pointed out to him why it would be a bad idea. Because all you hear is why we want it. It it will just never happen. How about also this? You
3: got to understand why you know half of voters, if I'm going to split it half, Republican and Democrat, are pretty unhappy that you won two elections with the popular vote and still lost. I get that. How does that not stick in your craw? I get that. Hillary got three million more
1: votes and lost. Got a sore, sore craw, inflamed. Right. I get that. I get the, We know we have a guest. We got to. We, we, we,
3: I want to talk more about this later because there's another issue. To God, bring up. I got people gesturing at me like they're trying to
1: land my helicopter on an aircraft carrier.
3: We gotta, I get it. We got to talk about the other part also, the uh, adding to the Supreme Court. There are three institutions, institutional changes taken on yesterday on the political trail, including adding to the Supreme Court, which is a similar sort of thing. Although that one is not as uh, ingrained in our society. It has varied over the years. Yes. It's also a terrible idea, but more on that to come. The Beto War Wars with Tim Miller on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
3: Many interesting things to talk about. How much of them are the, uh, the presidential race? Yeah, that's a, I don't know. We've only got what was it, Sean? Five hundred ninety-six days to go. I think it's ninety-four.
1: Yeah, it's going to be over it's, in the blink of an eye. It's right around the corner. I tell you what, though, even the early days have been fun to watch in a way. Yeah, in a lot of ways. For instance, the Beethoven mania followed by the. Beto Backlash, and Tim Miller, who's a columnist for The Bulwark, has written a piece entitled The Beto Woke Wars that we found uh, quite intriguing, and have invited Tim on. Hey, Tim, how are you, sir?
2: Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Oh, it's... Uh, 594 it, more days of this, you're killing it me. It can't, it
3: can't, <laughs> but, but seriously, it can't be this pace, can it? Is that possible?
2: Uh, didn't we say that last yep. time? Yes, uh, we yeah, did. Yeah, I think it can. Uh, yeah. I think it can be this pace, especially with uh, with Trump. Hey, we didn't invite you on to make a suicidal, Tim. All right. (laughs) You guys did it to me. Yeah.
1: So uh, tell us about your piece, The Beto Woke Wars.
2: Yeah, well, look, I'm a, a, sort of a never-Trump Republican for for listeners who don't know me. So I, I feel like I have this interesting perspective where I feel disengaged from both primaries, and so I've been kind of going to events on both sides to try to you know get a feel for what the what the voters wanted. And the Beto thing that has been so interesting to me, in kind of another depressing, almost suicidal way, is that he was you know the golden boy of the left in 2018. He was going after Ted, evil Ted Cruz, and uh, you know he was on Ellen and he's defending Kaepernick and, and, uh, and all of this and then the calendar turns to 2019 and he's running against socialist Bernie Sanders and, and you know candidates that are more popular at the intersectional social justice left like Kamala Harris and and they've turned on him and they've turned on him and in every article you read about him from lefty outlets now uh, they talk about his white privilege and his privilege as a male and I, you know I'm just thinking to myself about how like what what, what hope do you know moderate Republicans have to build a coalition with these folks if they're going to turn on Beto so quickly
3: yeah I talked to a, a, a college student who is uh, a, you know progressive like a lot of college students are on Friday yeah. and was kind of you know I said so what do you think of Beto and I was ready for the oh my god this that and it was oh what a fraud what a complete fraud and it really <laughs> really caught me so, by surprise and then I saw the New Republic article article and the slate article and saw the backlash in the New York Times about him not letting his wife talk during the a commercial and thought,
2: Wow that article crazy? Honestly, if your listeners haven't read it, uh, this is the most insane thing that I've read. The New York Times wrote not a, it wasn't like a columnist with an opinion. It was a news story yeah, that yeah. they wrote that was that said uh, the, the, the premise of the story that was Beto was appearing to revel in his advantages in a white male as a white male because his wife didn't speak in the announcement video. Now remember
3: written as a, a news story, which is crazy
1: yeah, it, it it was was a, sar-
2: number one, Beto's wife and look I'm not really particularly a Beto fan he's far too left for me but but you know you have to you, when you see crazy you got to call it crazy I, beto's wife spoke in in the in a, a magazine article interview she speaks at his events I, like this idea that he's trying to silence her and this is the same critique that trump remember leveled against kazir khan's wife at the convention that, that the new york times was all up in arms over about how that was so <laughs> offensive and now you know now that um, it's it's the uh, the folks on their side that are uh, you know being threatened it's a it's fair game it's it's, it's, it's a re, it was really insane to see how, how the tables have turned on this stuff.
1: It's probably worth tossing in as an aside that uh, Laura Logan famously said on our show a couple of weeks ago that uh, she'll read a New York Times news article and not find a fact in it.
2: That, <laughs> well, this is true, and this, this article was pegged to five tweets. Guys, the, the 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 reporter found five tweets of liberal Brooklyn, uh, you know social, you know socialist Bernie fans, and, and then wrote an article based on this and was saying that there's this groundswell of people who are offended by her silence based on five liberals in Brooklyn. I, it's just crazy well, that that that's at least their, their world perspective. At
3: least it's not the most important newspaper in the world.
1: You know, all of politics is a nonstop, hundred-way backstabbery, but uh, Beto O'Rourke has to be absolutely astonished. He has to be pretty shocked.
2: I, of course he does. You know, I've been talking to I, – I was a communications director for a bunch of Republicans like Jeb and, and John McCain and others. And I've been talking to some of my fellow flax, we call ourselves, uh, who have to deal with the press. Well, the we Republican call you that, side. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Flax. Uh, on their, and, uh, and and everybody's just laughing, actually. There's a little bit of uh, – now you know how it feels to be on our side, right? Because Beto has been getting this this sort of un, insane, unfair you know, attack. That you know any Republican you know politician is used to getting it every day of the week from the Times.
3: Hey, since you brought it up, and this is this is no no complaint about Jeb, seemed like a perfectly no nice works. guy. But if you were the communications director for Jeb, tell us what it feels like when you're in an obviously dying campaign. I mean one that's just not <laughs> working. What's it feel like?
2: It it feels really painful. Uh, you know, <laughs> I had a, I was, I've been on a couple losing campaigns, and the very first one I was on, it was a guy running for governor of Delaware, a Republican, which was obviously a doomed battle. It's a tough and, nut. Uh, You know, he was a Marine, and he told me, you know, when I went into the Marines, I thought, how bad could basic training be? And then, you know, my, that my father said to me, you don't know how long six weeks is until you live it one second at a time. And that's kind of how I felt on the Jeb campaign. It, I was living it one second at a time. And, you know, we knew in about October... Uh, look, I, I'll just have to say this. Jeb is my favorite person I've ever worked for. You might not like his politics, but he's a fantastically decent man and would have been a great president. But I, in October, I, we asked for a poll and just asked why people didn't like him. And 80% didn't like him because he was a bush or because the nature of the way he carried himself wasn't tough enough, so to speak. So, I,
1: I've never heard a single human being allege that he's less than a, a really good human being.
2: Well, the president. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've heard one person. <laughs> Tim Miller writes for The Bulwark. We'll have a link to his article. I wish we could have gotten to more of it because it's really, really good. But You're you can good. read it. Just go to Armstrongandgetty.com. Hey, Tim, uh, love the chat. Let's do it again
0: soon,
2: huh? Thanks, guys. I would love to. Have w- a good one. Well done. Thanks. That you. was
0: awesome. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Dems calling for, among other things, packing the Supreme Court. The 2019 World Happiness Report has just been released. The happiest countries in the world. And the man who leaked Jeff Bezos' love text admits he made a deal with the devil.
1: Coming up. Hey, I thought we heard that Trump was tearing down all of this country's institutions, and that's why he's a bad guy. From the people who want to end the Electoral College Pact, the Supreme Court, and have children voting?
3: Who's doing what now? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Please clap. One story that's out today, it's getting a lot of attention. The FDA approved a new postpartum depression drug, which oh, could be yeah. huge, but a lot of people are leaving the details out. I mean, that's the good news. The downside is it costs $20,000 oh. and it's a 60 hour infusion oh, to take
1: my. it. Um, in this scenario, you got a brand new kid. Of course, yeah, postpartum depression is a terrible thing. Yeah. 60 so you got a, hours you got like a new all baby once, and or? you're depressed.
3: I don't know how they break I think it it's down. It the course of several days, but no matter how they broke it down, it would be a lot.
1: Oh, it's, oh yeah. Whether that's... it was an hour
3: a day for 60 days or sure, you know.
4: That'd be rough. But anyway, for 2 days 30 hours per day? I just watched that Theranos Great documentary, the so I'm, I'm too skeptical on all these. I'm new sorry,
2: things. you you watched what? I, I watched the. You no, know, it's got to it be even lower. Now no yeah, you I sound gotta, you're you're like. Do, Wait a 2nd a Sean yeah.
3: did not sound like Elizabeth Holmes. You sound like a
4: cartoon bear. briefly. How about this? Was this that's better? closer, yeah, that's okay. right? Hey, just one drop of blood. Do you believe <laughs> that this will revolutionize medical testing? I do want to
3: talk about that documentary that you watched at some point.
1: I think perhaps these uh, turtlenecks have affected my vocal cords. (laughs)
0: Maybe it's too
1: tight. I uh, uh,
4: (laughs) wanted to be the the woman Steve Jobs, and instead I sound like the man me. (laughs) Ironic. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips.
0: Well, we have a number of the 2020 Democratic presidential candidates expressing support for expanding or packing the Supreme Court. Oh, boy.
3: (laughs) Now here's something I learned from Shannon Bream on Fox yeah. last night, which I thought it was pretty good. I didn't know this. You'd think I'd know this. How this number of uh, Supreme Court justices has gone up and down so w- wildly over the many many years. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not it's but not not for many many years.
3: No, but uh, <laughs> but it's not a constitutional like the electoral electoral college changing. That's a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, changing the Supreme Court's a big deal, but it just. That's a constitutional thing. Going against the founders. We've had various opinions on how many Supreme Court justices we should have. Which was surprising to me. I didn't know that. We currently have nine.
1: As long as we're reviewing history, of course, uh, FDR famously had a court-packing plan. He didn't like the Supreme Court restraining his socialist impulses in the New Deal, so he said, I'm going to appoint a bunch of new ones. And there was such an enormous revolt that he backed off that plan. Right
3: Yeah, um, interesting history behind that, because he'd, he'd just won several landslide elections, mm-hmm. and his whole party did, and he thought, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to swing for the fences. I don't blame him, actually, because I can see how you would have thought you could have pulled it off. Right. But everybody, including his own party, revolted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Too uh,
3: kingly. The point, of course, of adding more Supreme Court justices is the idea that, uh, you get to add more of your political stripe right. and change the balance. That's why you do it. Right. It's not because you think eleven's a better odd number than 9.
4: No, thirteen's clearly the
3: best
0: odd <laughs> number. Democratic proponents argue that the measure would be a response to moves made by President Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to get large numbers of conservative judges confirmed to courts across the country, as well as to McConnell blocking former President Obama's Supreme Court nominee Merrick Garland from ever getting a vote.
3: I was against that. I I thought that was unfair. You're a liberal! Um, I heard some pretty good uh, interesting ideas thrown out yesterday from Cory Booker and a variety of other people of how about, you know, term limits and this is the way they would work and they'd be staggered or a Supreme Court justice can get on if uh, all the justices agree that they're qualified or something
1: like that. Right. Well, listen, I try to be a fair-minded guy. Children voting, hilariously stupid. Nobody should consider it for a second. Eliminating the Electoral College, unwise but an interesting discussion, worthy of looking for compromises. More justices on the Supreme Court, I will tell you this. I do have some sympathy for the idea that while elections have consequences, is a saying, and it means something, and it's important. On the other hand, it is kind of down to luck for... Who croaks when or decides to retire when? And you could get a situation where a single president, <clears throat> the guy from The Apprentice, would, app- would appoint a third of the Supreme Court just through
3: luck. And it a- seems an odd system. Right. And we have a lot of 5-4 decisions. And as Ben Sass has pointed out, the senator from Nebraska, because the legislature doesn't do its job anymore, right. the Supreme Court has been forced into more of a political
1: role. Yeah, yeah. Ben Sass for president. You know how you can be sure he'd be a great president? Because he doesn't have any interest in it. <laughs> yeah, No kidding.
0: No kidding. The 2019 World Happiness Report has just dropped. The report produced I'm by... I was happy. I noticed it. It's been produced by the UN for a number of years uh, now. I'm it's... fairly cheery over here, just speaking for myself. It ranks 156 countries by how happy their citizens see themselves to be. You guys are very happy. Space no, Jack, Jack is not. I'm not happy. happy. Oh, you're not, not a very happy. good listener, oh, Marshall. Right.
3: I'm hungry, and which I need... makes
1: me unhappy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, were you going moment
3: by moment or overall? Overall, I'm happy enough. But like right now, I have a rock in my shoe and I need to pee. I'm not that
0: happy. <laughs> wow. What do you going to do about it? <laughs> Economic wealth, life expectancy, social support, and the freedom to make life choices—whatever that is—solid, solid criteria. All right. In tenth place, you got Austria. In ninth place, you've got Canada, America's hat. Way to go, Canada. Eighth place, New Zealand, then yeah. Sweden. Sixth happiest place uh, country in the world is Switzerland. Then the top spots go to Iceland, Norway, and Denmark. And the happiest country in the world, my friends, for the second year in a row. Happyville. Oh,
4: that's why you did the story.
0: Yes, it is Finland. <laughs> Always
3: a lot of countries that have way less diversity than we have in the United States. Yep. I'm not saying diversity makes you miserable, but it's easier to pull off happiness if everybody has, if, if most people are the same religion,
4: skin color, everything else. How much is Finland's happiest is, happiness is just based off of that song? Because every time
1: you play that song, I get happy. <laughs> what are you well, going to bum go. out when
0: you hear that? Play it again. Hey, Turn it on. It right, it's, it's a ahead. happy song. Here Two, we go. three, let's, four. Let's go up with the yeah, Finnish folk song.
4: Look, my shoulders just can't help but go up and down when this is on. Do you wear wooden shoes and
3: dance to this or something? Is there any chance of having it at an audible volume?
1: There we go. There. All right. Love it. I didn't realize there's words there.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes.
1: The words say, damn, we're happy here in Finland.
0: <laughs> One last note. Michael Sanchez, the brother of Jeff Bezos' mistress, admits he struck a deal with the devil and got $200,000 from the National Enquirer in exchange for helping the tabloid break the story of the Amazon CEO's extramarital affair sanchez said he did it to protect his sister lauren sanchez and is he th- did
3: it to protect his sister you're a good brother okay gotcha because this has <laughs> clearly made her life better oh yeah he did it out of love yeah. yeah so why would you
4: want your sister to be with the richest man in america and
3: yeah. she's in love and you want to make
0: his life miserable too so what it doesn't appear as if lauren sanchez felt her brother's intentions were all that good she has cut ties with the man who's not only her sibling but was also her manager and publicist. Oh, boy. Wow. Now, Michael Sanchez admits to revealing the affair and leaking text messages to the Inquirer, but he adamantly denies obtaining intimate photos, saying, I may have helped the Inquirer with their story, but I never had access to the penis selfies. I never had
3: access to the PSs.
1: So she's a celebrity blanker, and he is uh, a Extortionist and nice family and leaker of private community.
0: They're nice, yeah, <laughs> nice folks. There you go. That's wrapped at your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. There you go.
3: Got the world's most expensive racing pigeon. You want to get involved in no! that? No, no. Did you say earlier you don't want to hear any more about racing pigeons? That, we're correct. Even Armando? Our interest w- who now? <laughs> the the one point four million dollar racing pigeon. One point four million dollars for this stud pigeon that's gonna sire other fast pigeons in theory.
1: Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of a big deal. One
3: point four million dollar pigeon.
1: Armando the racing pigeon.
3: That's right. That is what we Shoot. said. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: reportedly suffered a data breach that could have exposed customers calling history said millennials calling history oh that's fine
3: (laughs) (laughs) yep good point Hmm. Uh, of phone calls i get they're mostly scam artists so oh yeah
1: it's very important that you contact our office. A file with your name and social security number is now being actively investigated. I've gotten that one like 20 times in the last 2 days. Investigate away.
3: <laughs> so Hansen, your thing that you do when you get you, you when you get a call from a number you don't know, you just what do you do? Because you got a plan. Yeah, I just, because uh, it's so frustrating. It makes me so angry. I, uh, I answer the call. And I, honestly, I don't know what this, what this does to me. It probably hurts. But I answer the call and then I put it on mute. Because sometimes some of these calls are legit. So I don't know. If I hear a voice go, hello, hello, hello. And then I'll say, hello, yeah, who's this? But oftentimes it uh, just says, goodbye, click. And then mm, you know no. it's a crap call. I think you're not supposed to answer because then they know it's a live number. Although, if you, every time I don't answer, it turns out it's you know the insurance company or the the, the medical something or other. Yeah. And I needed to get that phone call anyway because I've started doing that too. I answer it and then I just leave it like on mute and speaker. I don't know why I do that. I just want to torture the poor sob who's got that sucky job. Then I met some of the other day somebody the other day that used to do that sucky job, and then I felt bad about it. Because you don't take that sucky job because (laughs) your life's going well. Well, aren't
1: the vast (laughs) majority of them robots anyway?
3: Yeah, but some of them are human beings. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I get the occasional human being. Mm. Um, and, And I always say the same thing to them. I don't know. Why do you say anything to him? You, did you do this job? Is this one of those things you've done? Well, yeah. Somebody but, here's done it.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, but it was calling people who had had magazine subscriptions expire and saying, hey, we can, we'll can. we sign you up again. We'll give you 50% off. Okay. So, I mean, that's. But I always say to him, it's not the, trying to rip off oldsters and not convince thing, them the IRS is There's after not all. a
3: thing in the world that I don't know how to find.
1: That I'm going to buy from the phone. Do you know how to renew your subscription to Time Magazine? Really?
4: (laughs) I don't think you do. There's a new uh, genre of kind of YouTube videos that I discovered, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago called scam baiting. Where their whole premise is they get online or they get on the line with these people who are behind these things. Yeah. And they just actively try to waste as much of their time as possible. They're great. They're hilarious. They have voice processors. This one that I watch makes him sound like he's a grandma all the time, and it's a computer thing, right? So these guys are just trying to talk circles around this grandma who doesn't know. He's got a fake virtual machine that he's allowing them access to and seeing all the things that... And he explains it while they're going. He'll turn his mic off and address the... Now, right here, he's going in here, and he's doing blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? It's really interesting. Right. And And they're good at it, too, because they'll say, All right, my bank account number is...
1: one." Just a minute. I'll be right back. And then (laughs) (laughs) they're sure that they got a live one. And these guys are experts at jerking with these people, and it's fabulous. (laughs) It's fantastic. I wish I had more free time to watch that sort of thing. Speaking of scams... Perhaps the greatest scam in the history of the world, although the Trojan... was the devil convincing us he doesn't exist. Mm. The Trojan horse was a pretty good scam. Oh, that was a great scam. So was Elizabeth
3: Holmes and Theranos, where she got a no, billion... No, people
4: give horse statues all the time. Just bring <laughs> Look it in. It. It's beautiful.
3: <laughs> It'll go great right next to the fireplace. Roll it in. I, I heard giggling coming out of it. <laughs> what? No, you no, didn't. Horses, sta- horse statues don't giggle. You idiot. Um, so this Elizabeth Holmes person, she, she ran Theranos and it was, uh, it was phony and she got a billion dollars worth of investors. And now there's an HBO documentary uh, out about it from an Oscar award winning director. And I like this quote from it and Sean watched it. I want to ask Sean about it. This quote, the documentary testifies to one of the really interesting psychological dimensions of the story, which is most people who are good at telling a fraudulent story are good because they believe it's true. They convince themselves they are noble. D- did Elizabeth Holmes actually believe it was true, or did she know she was ripping people off the whole time? Do you know Sean from the movie?
4: It's hard to. I I think she started with trying to do something big. I believe that, and the same way that we see like the Green New Deal, the the just this modern thing is you peg your idea. This is what we're shooting for, and then she just started. Being very successful at getting some very influential people backing, and it just snowballed. at what point she realized it's all a house of cards and it's all crumbling down. I don't know. She still to this day does not admit that. she's still trying to get the company back and do it right. Like she still hasn't come to terms with no, I you know I'm a fraud, but it happened
3: little by little, right? So so they they thought they could do it. then they didn't get the results they wanted, and they had to fake up one, and then you get more investment, and it just keeps going from there. But at some point, Unless she went crazy, she had to know we're running a 100% fraudulent operation here.
4: We're making up results. She seemed to lawyer up at particular points in the company, and there seemed to be certain kind of influx points where her overall demeanor and the way she interacted with her company changed.
3: But I am interested in this point that this reviewer took away from the movie because it gets to, like, the whole OJ thing. He may have actually convinced himself that he didn't do it. In his mind... To Ben juice? juice, Juice, did you do it, in Juice? It's like you're not the Juice anymore, Juice. I'll never not be amused by that. <laughs> if you never watched the OJ documentary, Michael. it wasn't a documentary; it was a
4: movie with yeah. John Travolta. It was and the the true American true crime series, right? John and, Travolta and and Ross from Friends as Robert Kardashian, right? Great show.
1: But anyway,
3: you got any more Juice clips? It's like he's right? not
1: really the Juice anymore. <laughs> Beautiful.
3: <laughs> Beautiful, Um, but thanks, Ross. So to to help your own psyche, OJ, he may actually believe he didn't do it. Yeah. she may have to help her own psyche as like a, a young up and coming do gooder in the world. She may have convinced herself that she wasn't ripping people off.
4: That's some sure. of the more interesting people in this in this documentary too. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the people who kind of sniffed out the BS of her business plan very often were women who were not mm. kind of. You know, by by, as one of them put it in the documentary, she didn't fall to a certain type of charm that Elizabeth Holmes seemed to have had over a, a lot young of the, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> over a lot of these specifically older male investors. You can't.
3: There's no getting around the fact that you you might hate this as a feminist. Hot young blonde has a power over older men investors that she does not have over women. In fact, it might hurt her. With a lot of women who are like, I'm a little skeptical of this cutesy. Yeah, let's see if Hottie really has the goods. Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and good for women.
4: Yeah. My, my favorite tweet review of this that I saw from somebody I'm not familiar with, but they said, Men hate vocal fry so much they gave Elizabeth Holmes $400 million. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: Well, she's got that low voice. Oh, I've been, actually
4: got
0: some. You know, it.
3: making fun of her physical characteristics is just fun. <laughs> <laughs> what about this,
4: though? So, I'm sorry. It's possible. We made it possible
0: to eliminate the tubes and tubes of blood that traditionally have to be drawn from an arm. I can't T- drawn, tubes from, and drawn from, tubes from an arm and tubes. I can't tubes, tell you
3: yeah, how many times I saw her on Charlie Rose being treated like Steve Jobs in her black turtleneck sweater, mm.
1: completely making crap up. I didn't know it at the time, but I haven't seen the documentary yet. I plan to watch it, but I read an incredibly long piece in some publication. It was half a book uh, about. When they got to the final days, she still seemed to be a true believer. To this day. Which makes her either crazy or, you know what, it well, strikes it's me, OG thing, she it? thought she was George Washington at Valley Forge. And keep in mind, a lot of uh, the soldiers were trying to decide if George Washington was a fraud and if they ought to just go home. And she pictured herself as saving the day at the darkest moment. But again, that makes her nuts.
4: They had no results to to indicate that it was going to work. Well, this documentary also frames her in the culture of Silicon Valley, right? There's the famous things where the the first public demonstrations of the iPhone were actually faked up. Thomas Edison, when he was inventing the light bulb was having problems with the filaments. And his for four years, he was doing fake demonstrations until they could fix, find, oh, aha, we got it.
3: I, I did not know that. Is that mentioned in this
4: documentary? Yes. yes well, that's,
3: that's a very interesting point to so, make. So
4: there's this culture of when you're shooting for the stars, you tell people, this is what we're trying to do. I need to surround myself with people who don't say, no, this is why it won't work, but who are trying to get to the same place I'm getting to. And we will get there. And we'll get there. We right? just haven't gotten there yet. Right, and that that's and she, pretty interesting. And she fancies herself after the, the, the after Edison, the machine that that does all the the, the little lab in a box. That, Imagine they, if would,
3: Edison had been a hot young blonde. It mm. was called
4: the Edison, like that. That was her thing, right? You know, he said, "I haven't failed four thousand times. I've only figured out four thousand ways this thing didn't work." Mm-hmm. Um, so so they they do uh, maybe an unfair job too much of of framing her in that context of Silicon Valley startups. Well, at some point you
1: got to concede. We've blown through $700 million, and it still doesn't work, And uh, I hate unless you're a crazy person. I hate frauds, but
3: how quick would you be to raise your hand after people are pouring money into you, and you're, you've become wealthy overnight, to say this doesn't work? Frogs eat mosquito larvae and, and flies. A fraud, not a fraud. Oh, I thought that's... you said
1: you hate frogs. <laughs>
3: that's, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> you're listening to... The Armstrong and Getty Show. Juice!